The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Let's begin with politics and another ban for Donald Trump. Maine's Secretary of State has removed the former president from the Republican primary ballot ahead of the 2024 election. Details this morning from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. Secretary of State Shenna Bellows is using the insurrection clause to become the first election official to take unilateral action. Bellows says insurrection for his activities in the January 6th election overturned riots. The Trump campaign says it will appeal, and former Congressman John Katko says it should go to the top. It's got to go to the Supreme Court. Several states have now uh, had this ruling. So the Supreme Court's going to set the parameters of what we do in situations like this going forward. So the U.S. Supreme Court should have a number of cases now from which to choose on the issue. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thanks. And ahead of yesterday's decision, Trump's presidential campaign blasted Maine's Secretary of State Shenna Bellows, calling her hyper-partisan and a virulent leftist. Trump's campaign says it will quickly seek to appeal her decision in Maine state court. And turning now to geopolitical news, half of container ships which regularly use the Suez Canal are avoiding the route after the recent attacks by the Houthi militants of the Red Sea. Data compiled by Flexport shows 299 container ships have either changed course or planned to, and that accounts for 18% of global trade. Mercury Resources CEO Anton Posner says many major firms want to know more about the U.S. response to the attacks. We're seeing increased freight, increased insurance, a lot of uncertainty and mixed signals from ship owners, container lines and from governments on what's happening to basically mitigate the risk and the threats that are out there from these Yemeni armed groups. Mercury Resources CEO Anton Posner says some companies are putting off decisions until the new year as attacks continue. The U.S. says it's speaking with shipping firms in an attempt to ease the concerns. And John, we also continue to follow developments in Ukraine. Russia launching deadly strikes on civilian targets in Ukrainian cities overnight. It came days after Russia reported one of its ships in Crimea was damaged by a Ukrainian missile strike, with Kyiv stepping up attacks against Moscow's navy. And as we enter the new year, Ukraine's pleading with foreign donors to send aid amid uncertainty over its 2024 budget. And turning now to the markets and the final day of the 2023 rally with the investors anticipating Fed rate cuts in the new year. The S&P 500 capped yesterday's session just a few points away from its all-time high. This year, the S&P 500 is up almost 25% with the MSCI All-Country World Index rallying about 20%. Mona Mahajan, the senior investment strategist with Edward Jones, says the rallies broadened over the final months of 2023. We started the year really driven by that Magnificent Seven, a large cap technology trade. And over the last few weeks, we have seen a broadening of participation, whether it's value cyclical parts of the market, whether it's small and mid cap parts of the market, whether it's bond markets, all of which have played some catch up in recent weeks. Mona Mahajan with Edward Jones says signs of cooling inflation and anticipation of a Fed pivot continue to drive the rally forward.
And overseas this morning, John, European stocks eking out one last gain on the final trading day of the year. But it's not all good news, specifically in the UK. And Bloomberg's Stephen Carroll joins us with more from London. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Karen and John. Inflation has slowed sharply in the UK in recent months, but consumers are increasingly worried about the year ahead. A KPMG survey shows four in ten people are more concerned about their financial security now than they were a year ago. While data from Barclaycard indicates households are cutting back on things like clothing and eating out. All of that raising fears of a consumer that could tip the economy into recession. One relative bright spot, the latest house price data from Nationwide showing prices fell less than 2% in 2023, defying expectations of a sharper downturn. In London, Stephen Carroll, Bloomberg Radio. All right, thanks, Stephen. And in a banner year for stocks, the Nasdaq set for its best year since 1999 after a $7 trillion surge. Artificial intelligence mania driving the run for the tech-heavy gauge. From NVIDIA to Microsoft, the seven largest U.S. tech stocks, the Magnificent Seven, were responsible responsible for 64% of the Nasdaq rally this year. The index is up over 50% in 2023. And speaking of NVIDIA, John, the chip-making giant is selling a hobbled version of a gaming chip to its Chinese customers. Bloomberg Tech reporter Ian King says the move comes after the U.S. government tightened restrictions on what the company can market there. Really what matters is what happens in the AI accelerator market. NVIDIA said it's going to have new chips for that business for China to meet these new rules. And we don't know when that's coming or if indeed if that will actually come. And that will have a much more concrete impact on revenue. And Bloomberg's Ian King says this version of NVIDIA's chip for China's market has about 10% fewer processing cores than what it sells in other countries. And Elon Musk acts formerly Twitter lost its effort in court to block a California law seeking to control toxic posts. More from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. In an eight-page ruling, a federal judge in Sacramento rejected arguments by the company, formerly known as Twitter, that the measure violates the free speech rights of social media platforms. The ruling comes after Musk ignited a firestorm in November by endorsing anti-Semitic posts on his platform. X-Corp's CEO scrambled to contain the fallout after major advertisers like Sony, Discovery, Apple, and CBS stopped or paused spending on the site. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. It is time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Biden administration is warning Texas about its new immigration law to deal with illegal migration. Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons reports. In a letter, the Justice Department reportedly says it will file a lawsuit against Texas if it implements the law that would empower state and local law enforcement officials to arrest, jail and prosecute migrants suspected of entering the U.S. illegally. CBS News reports the DOJ says the law would basically criminalize actions that are already illegal at the federal level and would undermine relations with Mexico and prevent officials from enforcing federal immigration laws. The measure is already being challenged by the American Civil Liberties Union that argues the law is unconstitutional. In Washington, Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Radio. 
More U.S. sailors and Marines are being moved into the eastern Mediterranean. CBS reporting the two amphibious ships carrying 1,500 sailors and Marines, along with jet fighters, helicopters, and armored vehicles, have transited the Suez Canal from the Red Sea into the eastern Mediterranean. This gives the U.S. military more ability to evacuate Americans from Lebanon if necessary. Israeli officials have been increasingly vocal with their threats to clear out a buffer zone in southern Lebanon if Hezbollah's shelling of northern Israel doesn't stop. President Biden, meanwhile, says he's devastated to learn another American was killed by Hamas. American Judy Weinstein Haggai was killed in the October 7th Hamas incursion. Biden vowed to do everything possible to bring home the remaining hostages, including IDF soldier Eden Alexander from New Jersey. Alexander's mother is calling for her son's return. He's my boy, and every day, every minute of the day, I'm, I'm just... I'm terrified. There are now six Americans presumed captive in Gaza. And the World Health Organization says it's getting harder to deliver medical supplies and fuel to Gaza because hungry people keep stopping the convoys searching for food. Gaza's health ministry also says dozens of people were killed in strikes across the Gaza Strip yesterday, days after Israeli forces said they'd be expanding operations. The Washington Post reports the director of one hospital says Sunday's attack killed at least 80 people. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thanks. We bring you news throughout the day right here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, as Amy said, you can get the latest news on demand, and that means whenever you want it. Just subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines right at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Dan Schwartzman. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Cleveland Browns clinched just their second trip to the playoffs since 2002 with a dominating performance against the New York Jets. Joe Flacco got hit. He rolls out of the hit. He runs it. Then he throws it. And Ford caught it. At the 30. At the 20. At the 15. At the 10. At the 5. He's still going. And he folds it for a end. Touchdown, Jerome Ford. A play you will not believe. That's courtesy of ESPN 850 Radio in Cleveland. Behind 309 passing yards and three touchdowns from Joe Flacco, the Browns improved 11-5 on the season with a 37-20 win over the Jets. Jerome Ford catching two touchdown passes, while David Njoku gains 134 yards on six catches. Jets fall to 6-10 on the season. Week 17 of the NFL season continuing Saturday with a marquee matchup in Dallas as the 10-5 Cowboys are hosting the 11-4 Detroit Lions. Speaking of Detroit, the Pistons were oh so close to ending their 27-game losing streak as they led the Boston Celtics by 19 points at halftime and at one point by 21 points before collapsing and losing in overtime 128-122. By dropping their 28th consecutive game, the Pistons tied the Philadelphia 76ers for the longest losing streak of all time, which Philly accomplished between the end of the 2014-2015 season and the start of the next year. Elsewhere, Nikola Jokic turning in a perfect triple-double, not missing from the field or the free-throw line in the Nuggets' 142-105 win over the Grizzlies. That's your Bloomberg Sports Update. I'm Dan Schwartzman. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. 
join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. You did hear among our top stories, Maine's Secretary of State ruled that Donald Trump cannot run in the state's Republican primary, citing his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. Let's take a deeper dive into the story this morning. We're joined now by Terry Haynes of Pangea Policy. Always a pleasure to speak to you, Terry. Um, certainly, it's not going to be the last word, and it sets up for what one observer calls an epic constitutional showdown. What is your view? Uh, my view, firstly, is uh, discount any time anybody says things like epic. Uh, but uh, secondly, John, I think uh, what you have to understand is uh, it, it, what listeners have to understand is a little bit of perspective here. Colorado, uh, this Colorado Supreme Court, by a four to three decision, uh, you know, made its determination. But its secretary of state has already said that Trump's going to be on the primary ballot, you know, absent some sort of uh, additional action. So if that doesn't confuse things enough. Uh, secondly, uh, what you've got from the main secretary of state yesterday is uh, kind of an executive version of what the Colorado Supreme Court said, deciding on her own that, uh, that, Trump, did, that Trump was an insurrectionist, uh, but also understanding that uh, the thing is going to be appealed. Net-net, uh, I wouldn't look for any of these things to, uh, to stick uh, the Supreme Court of the United States is almost certainly uh, not going to allow uh, states to decide uh, how to interpret the 14th Amendment of the Constitution or, uh, or alone uh, deny a candidate a federal right uh, under the Fifth Amendment. So, uh, you know, generally speaking, I think these things are, uh, are overblown. And the last thing I will say is there's a lot of state and federal courts that have decided in ways opposite of the Colorado and Maine courts, uh, and people need to remember that, too. Uh, Donald Trump initially ran as a disruptor. Now he seems to be running as um, a victim. Does this all embolden him, or does it give rise to some something along the lines of Trump fatigue? Um, you know, that, that's a very good question, and I think the answer probably is some of both. The conventional wisdom right now is that this emboldens and empowers him with the electorate. You can certainly see how that might be so in, instinctively, uh, but at the same time, uh, it also, uh, I, I think, adds to the appeal of not Trump Republican candidates who say, look, uh, if you like the conservative policies that happened during Trump's administration, uh, we can have those back and we can have them without the circus. Uh, we're going to find out which of those is true or potentially whether both of them are true, uh, starting in about three weeks in Iowa. And uh, so, you know, we will see. But the uh, and it pains me not to make a call on that, but I mean, truly, we will see. I'm not going to be the the uh, the expert on the feelings of uh, the Iowa electorate, uh, but the the bottom line is is that if Trump underperforms in in uh, the Iowa caucuses, it is going to give rise to a narrative that. Uh, Trump it might not be as strong, and the challengers are getting stronger, and that will reinvigorate the race, I think, to some extent. All right. Speaking of challengers, Nikki Haley also making news with what she says or 
doesn't say are the causes of the Civil War, uh, namely slavery. How does that play out in the election cycle? Uh, I think that's a blip, honestly, John. It, it's used by, and I'm not uh, meaning to, yeah, no, uh, to, to minimize. No, I mean to minimize uh, what she said or how she said it. But the, uh, uh, I think it's a blip. You know, she she did what she needed to do, which was uh, she was trying to make a uh, trying to use a kind of a, a states' rights versus federal point about the war to make a case uh, about the, uh, the the tensions that exist today. Um, it was ham-fisted. She took it back. She clarified it. I think that uh, that goes away pretty quickly, honestly. Uh, this is kind of out of left field. Is Joe Biden going to stick with Vice President Kamala Harris as his running mate? Oh, I think so, yeah. The uh, uh, Biden uh, sees uh, Harris whole, uh, including faults, but uh, the uh, he would have a devil of a time uh, taking her off uh, taking her off the ticket at this point uh, and for that reason alone i think he won't give us your yeah. view of how the election is all playing out <laughs> um, i will i will refer listeners <laughs> uh, right back to uh, to a very interesting bloomberg story uh, on on the terminal about uh, the, a Quinnipiac poll that was released on Wednesday that shows uh, Biden and Trump basically in a dead heat, in a popular poll. But if you add Bob Kennedy to it, it becomes a 38 Biden, 36 Trump, Kennedy 22 uh, uh, race. And I point that out only to say that I, I've been saying for some time that uh, third parties are going to be more invigorated and more important uh, uh, to this presidential race. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.